So did you guys watch any of the Buffalo Sabres this week? We actually, unfortunately, as big Sabres fans, did not. And I feel like I let down not only Buffalo Nation, but also the Sabres as a team and all of the players. Well, they probably won those games because we didn't watch, right? Isn't that how? Yeah. yeah so you're say- just not going to watch all 82 games? No. <laughs> <laughs> not. I mean, I- could they go 82-0? Could this be no. the best team ever? Yeah, I, I, I think no. I think the answer is is a hard. I don't actually know if any team would ever has it. Even I'm trying to think. Was there has there ever been a time like when any team went undefeated in the, in the history of the NHL? No. But no. like I mean, Maybe I'm talking like a hundred years ago, right? Like back before. No, there's no way. I, it's how hockey. long? How long were the seasons though? I don't know. It's hockey. Sean, are you a historian? Are you a hockey historian? Do you know what the the seasons were like a hundred years ago? I'm not a hockey historian, but I'm very sure that nobody went undefeated in any sort of season that you would consider a season yeah okay. josh so then i well I yeah so. i assumed that was the answer but my next question was i wonder who the what's the greatest season of all time going back 100 whatever years but it doesn't matter we didn't we didn't research this ahead of time so we're gonna have to no. you know i can tell you back to 2007 oh really yeah <laughs> let me just consult evolvinghockey.com here I think it'd be the that tampa team from 1819 was it yeah, would they get 122, 120-something points, I think? Um, actually, the best uh, – well, I guess I should do goal differentials. I was going to make a joke that the best team currently is the 21-22 Blue Jackets with a 76% <laughs> goal differential, but that's, that's – I did see that. I was looking at our – Goal percentage, excuse me. I was looking at our – quickly as a, a little um, um, plug for our uh, goals plus minus uh, uh, charts or whatever. The the Blue Jackets have just an absurd shooting. Uh, both the Blue Jackets yeah, they and want, Blues right now. They want to, but no, it was the the eight. Yeah, Sean, you were right. It was the eighteen nineteen Lightning. I think uh, from what I can tell, have the highest goal differential. Um, but that's goal differential. That's not like wins. But they have a they had a score and venue adjusted. It was like a hundred and three point five. But back to the Sabers. The Sabers are currently fifth <laughs> among uh, five on five teams uh, or i guess expected goals for at five on five uh I, i'm pretty sure sean you said i was wrong there but that's what our site that luke has updated last night was it saying. maybe i'm thinking all situations i might be thinking all situations should yeah. i just search that really quick yeah on evolving all, situ- all situations might be like uh yeah you're 60% right percent share at and third in the league yeah. yeah they're third they're third at all situations so the sabers are juggernauts you know let's just get it out of the way <laughs> they're you know they're, they're going all the way no i uh I don't really know what happened. Sean, did you watch any of the Sabres? I'll throw it back to you. So, no, my mental health was good enough um, <laughs> that I avoided watching it. Um, but I something that popped in my head earlier was, is this a good or a bad thing, right? Because initially, I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a really good thing for Sabres fans. They're going to go through a really tough year, and we, everything's we think, been really negative. Think. Uh, it's guaranteed and, <laughs> and you know everything's been really negative especially with the jack eichel stuff um and it's just like a bit of a positive warm-up to the year but is that like bad does that get them on too much of a high before they completely yeah. tank so because the goaltending so, yes. wasn't bad and all that other stuff well the other thing too games. is that i think that this happens at least from what i've saw from sabers fans is like it, I feel like they always they always have like an okay first couple of weeks and then they just completely tank in the winter to the point of like they lose out a month or something, right? Isn't that kind of what happens with the Sabres or am I wrong there? Yeah, it's like a reverse dry cycle, I guess. Yeah. It kind of proves your point that a, a month does matter. Yeah, because um, yeah, I think it was like a couple of years ago oh, people, were, people were trying to think of that this might be a, a year that they make the playoffs. I want to say this was like 18, 19 where they went on like a really hot November I think even like the last couple of years, like they, they just have like, well, no, last year was terrible. Yeah. But, you know, the years prior, it's like November especially has been like good months for the Sabres. And then, yeah, they just tank off after that. So it's it's just weird. It's it's the random variance with it. Like the Flyers, again, are like another streaky team with that. I think, was it eighteen nineteen? They put in like a 10-game win streak and a 10-game losing streak in the same season. Was that a thing? I that sounds right. See, the thing I'm I I feel like in my hockey fandom the Sabers have never been good. I mean, based on well, no, they were they when we we did a podcast. Shout out to Ryan Stimson. He used to have yeah. a podcast. Uh, what was it called? It was a good uh, Saber Metrics. No, was mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Uh, and we went on there and we did a live broadcast of watching the Wild and uh, Sabres game. And I think at that point they had, that was like, didn't, yeah, they had like the 10 game winning streak or something. They were like, nine, way, was that 18, maybe I think it might have been 20? 18, 19. I don't know. They had a 10 game win streak. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. It was yeah. supposed to be like a breakout. Maybe that was the last year of O'Reilly. Maybe. Yeah, maybe probably. We were thinking about that incorrectly. Yeah. Well, because cause I was going to say, since 2007 on our side on Evolving Hockey, there, the the Sabers have only posted three seasons of XG percentage uh, at, um, I guess this is still all situations, but X- XG expected goals for percentage uh, over fifty percent. So, the, and one of those seasons is this season. So the O seven O eight Sabers had a fifty one point one seven XG percentage, and the ten eleven Sabers had a fifty point three four. And every other Sabres season since 2007 has been below 50. So there there aren't a lot of times where I think that you could say that they were ever that good. But there were a couple times where they had, you know, uh, they had uh, what? I guess like a little a little flash of entertainment or fun. But I don't know. This particular Sabres, to remind our listeners, we thought the Sabres were made like a bottom three team easily. Now, I think... Prior to the season. Prior to the season. Those were what our projections were. Um, along they probably with, still are. And they probably still are, along with the Coyotes and uh, the Senators. The, the Red Wings. The Red Wings. So those were like, it was like, and kind of the Senators too a little bit, um, although that was pre-Kachuk and it was like, that's a little bit better now. But um, so it just, we're kind of doing a bit here because they've played two games. So, <laughs> but right. and, and yeah. The two games were the Canadians on a back to back. They had played the night before uh, yeah. in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. And then they played the the second worst team and the Coyotes at home. Yeah. You know. So Yeah. But I mean I, I pulled up the Sabres roster. I'm like working on these roster charts for our game prediction model. Keep an eye out um, for them. Yeah. Well see, I mean, I might get them built out. I still have to kind of get that short up. But I'm looking at their, you know, I I've explained this in the past before, but our game prediction model it uses a couple different models for skaters, so it's hard to get like a one number rating. But my best estimate to get a bet a, a one number rating, we only have there are two players on the Sabres with their current roster that are above average. <laughs> so that is Jeff Skinner at like fifty sixth percentile and Rasmus Dahlin at sixty seventh percentile. You say we, I'm not trying to say anything. I don't want to talk about Dolene right now, but <laughs> everyone else is like peaks at 37. There's a Will Butcher is like almost he's like 46 percentile, but everyone is lower. And then they have Tage Thompson and Cody Egan who are absolutely a tr- terrible. I, I think they might They're be the studs. two, they yeah. might be the two worst <laughs> number players. one center, number in, one center, Tage Thompson. Yeah, that's I, I mean, I don't, I don't know, but it's just like. I I'm sorry, Sabres fans, but just try maybe try not to get your hopes up because it's <laughs> it still could be a very rough season ahead. But I was also will. say to not to fully transition away from the Sabres, although I feel like we've given them their due at this point, and we'll see what we happens have. in a week or two. But <laughs> the Canadians are zero and three, and that's one of our uh, you know our Uh-oh. our pre- and now we had them smack dab in the middle of their division. Uh, and I don't know. I, I didn't really watch any of the Canadians games either. So maybe, we look, we got to start. Now that we got ESPN Plus, I know we're going to have to watch all the games, I think, now a little bit more. I can't, I'm going to burn out. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just but, absolutely going to burn out. Uh, I was curious, Sean, uh, if you have if you had any thoughts on the Canadians or if there's any news about the Canadians that has, you know, is, are, is Montreal, uh, you know, okay over there? Uh, so <laughs> how out of the loop are you? Did, did you at least see the Nick Suzuki contract? Yes, I did. I did. Yeah. Which I is think, a, a little bit, uh, like, I, I think it was kind of fair to be honest. Yeah. It's also, I was thinking a little ahead of like, you almost maybe want to, but I don't know. I, I, Sean, well, you, they, sorry, you continue what you're saying. Sean. I think it was like risk mitigation in their heads yeah. that all of a sudden they're going to give him the first line role. Or the you know, I don't. I think Dano kind of falling off at the end, but like again, he's it's kind of his team now. He's the new Patrice Bergeron in their mind, even though yeah, you know that's a pretty tough uh, person to live up to, you know. But he's their top two way center, and I think he's still played all right. But the Canadians haven't scored a goal with him on the ice through three games, which is uh, a rough start. Yeah. Um, Josh Anderson's kind of continued to disappoint. It's it's funny because I watched Josh Anderson and it's like he's all he's like a 
in Toronto, it's like Ilya Mikheyev is like this guy who gets a bunch of rush shots and then can't do anything with it. Before that, it used to be Kapanen. It's like he's just he. You see like Josh Anderson in on a break, and you're like, wow. And then he just does nothing with it, and it keeps happening. Um, I don't know. They'll they'll find themselves again. I think people think that the Shea Weber loss is a huge deal, and I don't think it is. Especially, yeah. it's not nearly as big as the as the loss of Dano. No. Um, well, I actually I or, think we have uh, Weber. Our models really like Weber still. Uh, I know that he is. Yeah. You know, it. it you but can I mean, say uh, what you will about old, age and his injury. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think um, the age and injury thing is a big thing that maybe is. Yeah, we didn't really just, also go down that rabbit hole, I think, in terms of because he was not going to play, right? I mean, that wasn't. Yeah, no. He well, I didn't really even consider Shea Weber because he was just reported to be out for the season. So I like I kind of just filtered him out. Um, probably but, a career. Yeah. He, 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 I mean, you know, Weber historically and even like recently has been very good i personally think that's kind of a big loss for um their back end now he wasn't particularly great last year um but still he his prior seasons before that but then again he is you know 36 and you know from our models players after 35 or 36 it it's a very steep decline in terms of production uh gen like the majority of the time. Now there are some, you know, crazy outliers in that area, but overall, once a player gets over 35 or 36, it's a very steep decline. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I think Weber is a kind of a big loss for them, but I mean, they still have Edmondson, but he's been kind of injured too, right? Edmondson, Edmondson, Joel. <laughs> well, yeah, no, he's the not whole thing. particularly great. Is he? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he had maybe. one good season. It was like last year. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. He was. Yeah, yeah. Last season. Oh, he was... Petrie. I'm thinking Petrie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Well, Edmondson's good. fine. He's fine. He was bad with the Blues. Yeah. He. he I just he sorry. Had a good I just season last year. Anyway, I don't know. anyway, everything gets jumbled together. But but <laughs> but here's the thing. The thing with the Canadians and defensemen is like they deploy their defensemen in an extremely radical way. Right, it's like top four, and then like the the bottom pairing guys basically don't see the ice. Yeah. Um. So that's kind of that hurts them more than anything, you know. And then I think Sherratt's kind of coming back to earth. I think he, yeah, he lived on cross checking people and uh, <laughs> Weber doing a lot of his work. So I think that's kind of coming back to life. We'll we'll see how it is. I think I think they'll end up being sort of an average team at the end of the year. It's no. Yeah no reason to uh get too worked up yeah to foley was a a player while i was watching that i think kind of underperformed i just didn't see him much not involved as much um but it's good to see drew in back i don't know if you guys saw that he scored the first goal of the year for them yeah i did, yeah, I did I see did, that yeah. yeah so that was a good story you know coming back from um anxiety a battle with anxiety yeah yeah to to kind of come back that was a that was a good feel good story yeah. Well, I, I should I should say to our listeners also that Luke and I are we are this is our now we're we have we've kind of been saying with this podcast we're going to do it weekly and we haven't really been weekly. But part of that was because it was the off season. And also, part of it is Luke and I and a little bit of Sean, a little bit. No, of Sean. it's not no, I'm, Sean I'm at just, all. There, that doesn't but it doesn't uh, fall. That's we are fault. we are attempting to now do this on this is Sunday night. We're recording. We'll have it out Monday, uh, probably early, early Monday morning. Um, most more Sunday night for us, we would consider it. But uh, um, but Luke and I will do try to do a little better job of of uh, watching the games a little bit more. That's kind of one of the things I want to do this season. Uh, even though maybe it goes against our brand and we might have some backlash. Yeah, I don't people. know who wants like uh, to hear our opinion on what we see when a hockey game is going on. I don't know if you want to hear our our opinion, our eye test. You know, give us a, a smash that subscribe button and comment. Yeah, you know, and uh, and let us know because but, I don't think I've assumed no one wanted to hear. They we're just yeah. here for the numbers. But one but, of the one of the teams I was gonna I was kind of another transition. I'm the tra- I'm doing the transitions this time. I well, guess. we haven't even like introduced the. The podcast, yeah. Welcome. This Welcome is the problem to the with this hockey. is the problem. Yeah, this is the problem with doing these like informal ones. Is like, I think we're like sort of close, to, like fifteen minutes in here. Yeah. And we haven't said welcome to the Evolving Hockey Podcast, but But welcome to the Evolving Hockey Podcast. (laughs) Welcome back if you listened before or if you're an avid listener. I'm Sean, and I'm joined by two weird twins in Minnesota, (laughs) Josh, Josh, and Luke. 
I'm Josh. We're gonna do this. Pre- and I'm, right. I'm Luke. Yeah. Hello, Sean. How Hello, are you Sean. doing? Yeah, and they're better. Doing? They're also better known as Evolving Wild, which is what Luke has his video screen uh, name as. So yeah. I guess Josh got thrown out. Do I? No, um, I, we just yeah. It says Evolving Wild oh, for you, bro. Yeah, that's a okay. So I'm just Josh. I <laughs> think. Yeah, you're Josh, and I am you. That's yeah. what it tells. It says you. Yeah. I can't but see what it says. Anyway, I, the thing so I was going to say done. is we also, I think the third thing we should talk about is the Kraken. I no, did we should watch... talk about the Islanders no. being 0-2. No, uh, we're, <laughs> we're not talking about the everybody Islanders being saying Our projections were so low. Yeah, we're not being <laughs> own, We're not going to go about uh, talk about the right. Islanders. We can want, talk about okay. the Kraken. I want to yeah. talk did about the Kraken. Watch, did you watch did. the Kraken? I watched, we did, yeah. We watched several of their, I think all of their games. They played three, right? I think at least we watched We watched the Columbus game and then watched them beat or they have nashville right they beat nashville and then their first game was against uh i'm completely blanking on who they played first okay their first game was in vegas yeah Yeah. vegas okay yeah which was i watched that whole game which is a great game actually yeah um so i was curious uh maybe luke well i'm kind of thought you know even though we watched it together you know what was your thought on the you know on the crack and at least initially obviously again we're very early in the season so these are our initial takes on on what's going on i'm not gonna lie i was we yeah we were sitting in front of the TV, but I was like terrified for the first day of the season that our website was just going to completely break. So I was really focused on like our live games working. Okay, so every, but I don't do, ask Luke. We're not I asking. Do, Luke. Well, I will say that that the my the thing I remember is just I always remember Brandon Tanev just because he looks like an absolute wild child out there with his hair. Yeah. And his, that's all, like all I remember is just he go he just looks like a crazy and person out on the I, ice. I think he's leading the the Kraken in points right now if I'm not mistaken. He's yeah, got that, three. What is that? <laughs> he's got three. Yeah, but um no, I mean, I will say my impressions, I really I like their away jerseys. I thought they were pretty nice with the teal, the white with the teal. Um I I thought Grubauer was pretty bad in that game. Um, oh, the the Vegas, game. the Vegas game. Yeah. Um, maybe some nerves. Maybe, maybe some you know, nerves. The first ever shot against. I know in history, first ever goal allowed. He's gonna have to live with that. He's gonna for have the rest to live. His career. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, I thought the Kraken. Um, it's really interesting to see like like Susie. Um, I'm just Carson Susie. He was he played he take the Wilds like selection or the Kraken selection from the Wild in the in the expansion draft. Um. It's uh, interesting to see him kind of play and not really just be like a normal defenseman because he was kind of always this up and comer trying to crack into the Wilds defenseman. Crack in, crack in. You like that? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm just tuned in right now. I'm like honed <laughs> in right now. Um, but uh, no, I thought um, they were it, they were a fun team. I thought that they. Um, but were, I w- yeah, I, I wasn't to say I, I felt that they were kind of. I was curious because I did feel like they were going to be a little low event uh, in a way, or at least like kind of more a little more defensive kind of structure, that kind of thing. Um, and I did think they were a little like that. And it did kind of – it was interesting to watch their first couple games, like watching Vegas four, four years ago? Four years ago. Um, when in their first couple games, kind of getting the the feel for the system and the feel for what they were doing. I saw a lot of uh, – was it Flyers fans? A lot of people kind of joking about um, Hackstall and how – um, you know how how the system was kind of uh, similar, and it was giving flashbacks to people. But um, yeah, overall, I, I I also misspoke. Jared McCann is also uh, he's tied for the Kraken's point lead. Also, oh okay, yeah. Um, well, that makes sense though, because with you know. uh, yeah with with Tanev, uh, which yes makes makes a lot of sense. Um, I was just looking at our, our very very early relative to teammate uh, metrics and way too early, way 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 <laughs> way 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 too early. But uh, so far, uh, Marcus Johansson in one game he did pretty good, uh, <laughs> pretty well, <laughs> pretty, he did well pretty well, pretty well. Um, yeah, I, I don't but really I don't know. Sean, did you Sean did you watch it? How did you what do you think about their about their their first couple games, several games? So the the opening night like right off the draw and they they drew that face off i'm assuming you know what i'm talking about yeah that was a very exciting bit um i may or may not have gone to bed when it was like <laughs> three nothing and i'm like oh the crack yeah yeah just kind of kind of blew it oh, and then they right. came back did not yeah. right. they, they yeah no i i think i might be the With only one because i think luke took a break or did something for a period or two and then they tied it up and then uh well and then they had the, the other thing that they had that um uh, that puck de- deflection. Oh, goal. that's right. The that was kicking the one, goal. Yeah, the kicking goal that Vegas uh, scored. I think it was who kicked it. Uh, I don't remember. Stevenson. Who. Yeah, I can't yeah, quite tell, remember. I'll I don't know you. if you saw that, Sean. But they had this like they 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 the Kraken tied it up three three, and then fairly soon after the Knights. Scored yeah, Stevenson. This, so they scored this goal. Um, that was I thought personally was very clearly kicked in. 
But I guess because it wasn't a what distinct kicking motion. No, he was deflected off the outside. Yeah, it was like the outside of Chandler back Stevenson's of the the, of the, the right outside of his right skate. He was left of the net. Mark Stone passed it, and Stevenson pretty clearly def- he kicked his right foot out slightly. Well, he and deflected. It. He turned it, but he and kicked like, it. It was a kicking. Yeah, I thought it was a kick, but right. I guess by the definition, I don't know this is all ticky tacky stuff that doesn't really matter. But that no. was that was the memorable thing from that game, and then the cracking getting introduced to the NHL by kind of getting screwed over by the refs, maybe quote unquote a little bit, um, was kind of what what was one of the bits I think after that. But uh, but yeah, but, I thought the, I thought the cracking um there I, I I think. Looking at the Pacific so far, obviously, I I still think they they have a chance. Uh, well, yeah, they definitely you know, do. But also, like I don't know, it, I think it might take a couple. Obviously, like every other team, Luke and I aren't going to make any actual proper statements about no. what we think teams are until a quarter in the season because that's when we always do it. But you know, that's our brand. So. Yeah, we got to wait a little bit, but it's fun to speculate, you know, um, on things. I don't know. We're just kind of talking about things I really don't have anything to back up. <laughs> it's just kind of fun. I don't know. What do you think, Sean? I would note that like with the crack and with the hackstall thing, is, I was gonna say that next, but Josh went on forever. No. Um, <laughs> hey, it was like the third both, period. Both, I don't know if you saw it. We both it. went on forever, not just me. Shh, Josh they had <laughs> they had one so they had one shot on goal in that third period. They had like a one goal lead, oh, right? right? It was two one. Yeah, yeah. They had one shot on goal, it was an empty net for Tana yeah. in front to go up 3-1. That's what they mean. Like, they parked the bus. They took, I think, three total shot attempts. Yeah. Only one of them on goal, which was that empty net goal. And then um, they actually needed the empty net goal because they ended up allowing a goal um, after that. And so that was the game-winning goal. But, yeah. yeah, they just parked the bus. And they had a very low-event game against the Blue Jackets. I didn't watch it last night, obviously, but – um, I know you guys were tweeting about it. How you loved that? Uh, they're one to one. It was one to one with yeah. like no shots either yeah. way. I mean, no, it was extremely low event. Like, it was classic. Like, I mean, it was from from a Corsi standpoint. They had like it was kind of about an average NHL game um, at all situations, but their XG totals for both teams, Seattle and Columbus, were very low. I mean, it was like I think Columbus ended with. Like score and venue adjusted 1.87 xgf and Seattle was 1.66, so it's like that's a very low event game. I mean, yeah, there were some a lot. There were probably a lot of point shots, and Seattle kind of just didn't do anything after this third after the third period started. It just like, and from an xg standpoint, it just they yeah, like you were saying, Sean, they kind of just turtled i mean not turtled they kind of parked the bus i don't know what that means but they... well, so you would only park the bus if like you're in the lead okay so they didn't yeah. like, it, park it the means bus. like you're trying to protect the lead right yeah okay yeah yeah so um, yeah it, they're just they're just very low event teams yeah just, that's just who they are yeah, yeah. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of what their um i mean kind of continued style looks like um i mean they have a lot of veterans obviously uh, so I, I mean, they look like, I, I don't know if people like, expect expansion teams to just like, not look like, like good. I don't know. It seemed like the fan vote on, uh, or some of the fan opinions on the Kraken was that they were going to be terrible. Yeah. Well, that was the thing I saw but, a lot was that like all a general trend was a lot of the public models like the Kraken anywhere from like some of them had them like at one of the best teams in the league, which I think is a little, I think it's a little ridiculous. I think they're they're pretty clearly like a, above, slightly above average team, um, and I think because of their division, they probably are kind of like in a good favorable position that they're going to make the playoffs. I, I think the team is solid. I don't necessarily think that they're. Um, it doesn't seem like. I mean, we will see if maybe they have a random William Carlson or somebody come out, you know, come out of nowhere like Vegas did, but. Um, I, I think what I was getting at is the fans overall, though, seem to think that both. Well, this is coming to mind now too. Is what I my general tr- like perception of what fans were thinking was that the Kraken, all the all the fans seemed to think the models were all crazy and the Kraken were going to suck. I don't think that's necessarily true, but also it seemed like fans kind of, at least non-analytics or quote unquote whatever you want to say, thought that the Blackhawks were going to be somehow good. I'm not really sure where that came from either. Yeah, I don't. I don't know where that. Which we, I don't transition know. into that one. Yeah, we, yeah, I guess I'm doing the transitions. I didn't really mean to, but that was what came to mind when I thought about perception was how we were kind of making jokes about the Blackhawks because there's a certain amount of old division rivalry with Minnesota and Chicago to an extent because Minnesota just lost to the Blackhawks like every year in a row. 
I don't know, for like three or four years in the playoffs. But um, they don't look very good, Sean. I, I, they, they are not looking particularly great. No, that so Avalanche far. game, we watched that oh. Avalanche game in, in Colorado. I know the third period was much different. And it's but, the Avalanche. And it's so. the Avalanche, but like Colorado just absolutely dominated the Blackhawks in the yeah. first two periods. Did you see Pittsburgh last night, too? Yeah. The well, four, I, didn't, like, I wasn't was watching. Just, yeah, it was four goals they had mer- ten shots. They had like a little bit more mercy, I think. Like, they just didn't do anything in the second and the third. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, they just embarrassed them. It yeah. Was, it was really funny. And But, yeah, I mean, we were talking before um, we started recording about some of the uh, some of the nepotism with Team USA here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we're, as we're recording this, it was, like, 10 days ago, I believe. It'll be, like, 11 when it kind of comes out. You know, but uh, of the first three players named the Team USA Olympic team – whose general manager is the general manager of the Blackhawks. Two of them were Blackhawks, and both of them are Dash 4 at 5 on 5, which you guys didn't know what Dash 4 meant. It's wow, just no. slang for saying minus 4. Yeah. So, I'm, yeah. <laughs> you know, shout out to Patrick Kane. The, uh, <laughs> really? Are we going to The Blackhawks have allowed uh, – have scored a goal with him on the ice, but they've allowed five. And then uh, with Seth Jones on the ice, they haven't scored a single goal at 5 on 5, and they've allowed four. So yeah, and um, the thing I was yeah. I, I was gonna follow up was was that I tweeted out I think it was during the Avalanche game I I can't quite remember which one it was but um, how I, I think at, at the end of the second period the Blackhawks had I think it was six players that didn't have that had single digit expected goals for percentages um, through two periods which is very impressive like you just do not see a team where like I think it was six players for the the Blackhawks who I don't think had more than point one xg for. Uh, in two periods, which is really like impressive. Well, and in their, and in- I will, the thing I was going to clarify is that they did get better in the third period because because Chicago did kind of have a bit Whoa. of. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, obviously. Look at the I'm, score. <laughs> yeah, but like, also like they, they, it, it was just kind of funny. And the, I, but I didn't say anything about Seth Jones. I was just pointing out how they had six players who didn't do that great, but Seth Jones happened to be number one. So there's they have, there's they have some, six or more players that are dash four as well. Yeah, and uh, well, and they like I'm just looking at our. They don't have know, a single player that that Chicago has had more goals than than they have. Uh, what would you say? Than they've given up. There's no there's no player with a positive goal differential at five yeah. on five on the Blackhawks. Well, Black and the, and, and the only the the highest Corsi four percentage, just raw on ice Corsi four percentage in three games is Taves, Jonathan Taves. At a forty-seven percent. Yeah. So and so and then it goes way down. It goes down. Not the, not to the best start. Tyler Johnson. Tyler Johnson had a really bad game against the Avalanche, uh, and he's yeah. at a twenty-five percent Corsi four percentage, which is, I mean, it can only get better from there. It can't get much worse from twenty-five percent. That's really rough. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's it's kind of the thing is like I remember Dom. I think in in Dom Luchizen and. Craig Custance had that article for the Athletic, where they did like the hockey like executives and like team employees and like the poll of like top players or like I don't know if you remember that Sean, um, but I remember seeing that like I think that the industry perception of Seth Jones is just on a completely different level than what the public models and public analytics stat sites would say. Um, because I mean, I, I saw set when Seth Jones, I'm going to be honest. When I saw Seth Jones sign that contract, I was just, I just started laughing. Like, it's just <laughs> like, what is, I mean, I don't understand. I don't, I do not understand. It's like, in my mind, he played like 150 minutes in one playoff game or whatever. And then everybody thinks he's the greatest defenseman in the league. And I just don't, I just don't see it. Like he was decent with Nashville. Um, and then. I don't know when he was on the Blue Jackets. It's just the public models, for whatever reason, he just does not grade out yeah. nearly as well and, as what the, I, seems like the the public or like the perception of him is within the league. And I, I mean, I, to among, piggyback, te- bro, among re- some teams, really quick, I did find this athletic article you're referencing, which was um, it was Craig, yeah, Craig Custins and Dominic Chisholm. Uh, it was from January 2021, so we're like we're still within a year of this. Top 100 NHL players, athletic player tiers. Um, and they have their tier list, and they have Jones. He's rated as a uh, 3A player. So there's only maybe on this list. Um, he's right above Sean, right above, sitting right above McAvoy. Oh, boy. Uh, well, 
and uh, I will say that I did not respect much about um, the industry opinions. In that no, part. well, no. But I'm just so. saying. Also, I think the only <laughs> I'm trying players, to be respectful. The only players that, according to this industry list, and I think it was also some beat writers. I can't quite if they're fit into industry. I'm not sure, but I think the only defense that I'm seeing above him on this list from last January is Carl John Carlson, Makar, Theodore Hamilton, um, Heiskanen, uh, Petrangelo, and uh, Yossi. I think me and then Hedman. So they basically have him as like a top ten defenseman, which is just kind of I yeah, it's pretty it, absurd it's, in yeah, my opinion. That top ten is really bad too. Yeah, yeah. I mean <laughs> obviously it's a yeah, well, it's games. clearly missing Jared Spurgeon. Yeah, clearly, obviously. clearly. But it's just a, it's just a thing I think is very interesting. I don't we don't really need to get into this too much, but I, I well, there's a perception. I, I think we were gonna bring this back to more of a vague topic. I think defensemen are really something that people look at or most people end up looking at in arrears meaning that yeah, you're yep. kind of reacting to who a player was like two years ago yeah i mean good for them to like notice like makar up there on that list if if you're reading that one or even hamilton i think and too. heist can into but you know but i think well, it's I think like, a lot of it just ends up there. being kind of on past performance a defenseman especially yeah. i mean yeah. anytime you're looking around the league like let's not act like it's also easy to to evaluate a large sample of players like that right and yeah. to do it well oh yeah and yeah. so you kind of end up just naturally ar- acting in arrears but you know i think it's like especially for defensemen it, you just end up kind of reacting to like ice time and whatever because uh, coaches also don't react to it as well um and i think you're just kind of stuck with that like was seth jones at one point the terrific defenseman yes uh, at that time, I don't think he was realized as good as he was. Yeah. Now that he's sort of, for whatever reason, kind of fallen off, um, people now think he's the the greatest thing since sliced bread around the league. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just kind of, I don't know. People acted in rears. They should have also known that Adam Fox was a top five defenseman last year. He wasn't on that list somehow. Yeah. Um, then he Where goes is... out and wins a Norris. So well, I think he, they gonna... have him. They have him four B. So he's fairly. He's probably still top twenty in this list. But that was also and to have and to have McAvoy down that far is yeah. just a little yeah. ridiculous. Well, and but... I would say like so. For instance, if I'm going to look and I'm just doing like this is not. I guess I should just do our like our projections. That'd probably be better. But over the last three years, from an X spar expected standing points above replacement, which is kind of the model that we would use for defensemen, since it's. Um, kind of it, it doesn't use actual like goal scoring it's more of a culminate or an amalgamation of shot rates and shot quality and then shooting to get a goal value which is uh, um, much it's, it's better for defensemen um, just because they are not the ones who have the ability to generate the actual scoring that's for like forwards so xgar is generally in our my experience in the models we've made that's a better predictor of future defenseman performance but just in the last three years i mean our top 10 would be hamilton spurgeon shea theodore mcavoy petrangelo Devontaves, Latang, carlson chikorin and then the the number 10 the spicy one vince dunn uh which you know that's what we were uh we were saying but I think that, yeah, it's and, – and we have – Heiskanen is at 16. I think another um, kind of uh, under – maybe underappreciated defenseman would be Mackenzie Weger um, that I, I don't see mentioned. I mean – Again, he, I think people now are starting to realize that. Yeah, yeah. But still, Spurgeon, good I don't – I still don't understand. He's a captain now. Like, Jared Spurgeon – Completely. But his his best years are also over. This is kind of what I'm saying. I think now there is some recognition that he's yeah, but he's still the, not going to make the, the Canadian. Better, but he's it's to, it's like he's been there. He's been you know one of the best defensemen. Yeah, and it was just kind of ignored. So yeah, but anyway, maybe we should take a take a break. I was going to for... say let's take a let's take a break and then hear from our sponsor who paid a lot of money for this. And <laughs> uh, when we get back, we'll talk about the game prediction model. The Evolving Hockey Podcast is brought to you by EvolvingHockey.com, your home for advanced NHL statistics on the web. When you become a subscriber to EvolvingHockey.com, you gain access to such evaluation tools as NHL Goals Above Replacement, 
regularized adjusted plus minus, skater contract projections, visualizations, charts, and much more. Visit evolving-hockey.com slash login today to become a subscriber. Thank you very much to our sponsor for helping fund this podcast. So as I mentioned before the break, we're going to talk about the player projection, uh, player projections, the game projections, the individual game projections that are new to the site this year. Yes. Have you guys made a lot of money off of this? Have you guys been using this to, to gamble? <laughs> no, we actually, it's funny. Uh, no, we do not gamble. Because uh, it's games. immoral. No, I'm, no, just, I'm no, just, just joking. I'm completely kidding. Um, it's just we have to do a lot of things to manage the site, and we are not experienced gamblers. I do not know how to bet on games. Uh, and when we make our game prediction models and point projection models, it's purely out of – it's more of a curiosity, honestly, because – or it's just – I mean, it comes down to the base level of just – I think it's a really interesting question to try to answer is like – which teams are going to perform the best in a season. And that's really the base level of what the point projection model is doing. And then the game prediction model is which team is more likely is most likely to win that game. So that's really just what the model does, but betting and, and you know, on games is much more, there's a lot more to it than just which team is going to win or which team do we think is going to win. And we're not experienced with that. And we don't have any time to bet on games. So we don't bet on any games, but theoretically, the model is trained in a way where it's it's. I mean, to our best of our ability, we're trying to predict which team is going to win. So I think theoretically, it could be used on betting. Um, I mean, again, we're not betters, so no, it absolutely could it be absolutely used. could be. Yeah. Um, but the again, it's this is so just kind of to get into the game prediction model, we had um, done. Back in the 2017-2018 season, um, back when uh, Corsica.hockey was doing, uh, Manny Perry, um, the manager and and, uh, creator of Corsica, uh, he put on a game prediction model, uh, or a game prediction Kaggle competition, which is essentially just um, a competition to see which model could perform the best in the season so we made a model it was called stacks um and for that model we just used rolling team metrics so it was just various different summed team metrics rolling i think like 25 games or something so prior 25 games um and uh that was our first foray into predicting game outcomes in the nhl and then for this season we well we had wanted to do that again, but it's a very complicated process. There's a lot that goes into it. And um, in testing, the models that perform best are based on rosters. And that's a lot more complicated because you have to get all the rosters together for every team and make sure they're current. And you and, and it's, it's just a lot more work. So now that we're full-time with Evolving Hockey, we have some time to do that. Um, and so the model this year is a roster-based model. It also includes... Um, team metrics so prior 25 game rolling metrics Um, but uh, for the start of the season we actually opted to just use the rosters only because um, there's not enough time for the team metrics to develop any type of data like obviously if they've only played one game you're just using one game and um, that was regressed so the start of the season the first 25 games are regressed towards the mean per game I don't want to get too technical there, but essentially the game prediction model, we use um, rosters and then we sum it per team to actually take the average for uh, prior skaters. We develop skater priors for every uh, player um, for skaters and goalies. And then we have for unknown players or new players, we make projections based on uh, age and draft position, um, draft overall position. And then for each team, you just take the average of several. We, we use a couple different metrics. It's kind of the same thing I have explained, I think, in the pa- on a prior episode for our point projection model. It's a very similar process, but for the game prediction model, we use we add in rolling team metrics, which we can't do for the point prediction model. So that's kind of a general overview of the uh, game prediction model. I guess my the first of my questions is, is this built towards accuracy or is this built towards log loss? It's log loss. Which kind of yeah. 
it's yeah. it's um so for so every I'll, well yeah. I'll, I'll give a background basically when you build a model like this and any predictive model that you build you have to kind of choose which evaluation metrics you want to use as a, a way to optimize that model um a lot of times it's a loss function but um in a in a game probability model um it's called a, a binary classification problem so you have two outcomes either a team wins or loses um and that's a very standard uh like kind of common modeling problem because there's a lot of things in life that either happen or they don't um, but when you build that model uh, there are a couple different valuation metrics that you can choose so accuracy is just the raw um, percentage of how many times you were right versus how many things existed that it's, it's you just, were wrong or you were wrong um, and and there's also a couple different metrics you can use that I'm not going to get into too much but one of the ones that maybe some people have heard of is one called log loss or logarithmic loss which is um, I don't want I'm gonna be wrong here if i don't look up the exact definition but essentially it's just it, it's a it's similar to accuracy so it's evaluating on the probability versus the um like in ac an accuracy model it looks at if if you in a binary situation so if whether or not a team won uh, uh if you have a percentage is above 50 percent, that's going to say that that happened so that's a yes generally and so um and if it's below 50 percent that's a no. So it's usually one or zero. Um, and it's pretty straight. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, and it, it, it makes sense a lot of the time, but in a modeling procedure, uh, something like logarithmic loss or log loss, it evaluates your probabilities more heavily. Like if, so say you were, um, you gave a team 80% to win and they, they did win, you're going to benefit from that. But also, if you were wrong there and they lost, you're going to be penalized more. So essentially, it's it's looking at it. It takes the probabilities in a more nuanced way compared to what actually happened, which is generally why it's kind of the preferred method. Um, it's also it also works for like um, with implied odds or with probability for betting. Um, if you are much more confident in a game outcome based on your model, um, that's a much and and that you want to optimize. Basically, if you're if you're very sure, or if you if the model is trying to optimize as best as possible. So so really, the ideal situation is that if you think it's right, if you think that one team is going to win, you want a, as high of a probability as you can, um, depending upon how certain the model is. Um, so if, say, you think, you know, I think last year, an example just that we did really well in the playoff predictions, and now doing playoff point probabilities is, is a much different thing. Um, but for instance, Colorado... I think who did they play in the I can't even remember I can't remember anything Luke's well, first yeah. round was the Blues yeah against the Blues I think we had them at like a 92 percent chance to win that series um now if we would have been wrong our log loss would have just absolutely tanked right and but if say we put it at a 70 percent and we were right well if we were right we'd want to be as close to 100 percent probability as possible to optimize log loss but on the flip side if you're wrong there you get punished very heavily because log loss punishes extreme predictions that are wrong and it and it rewards extreme predictions that are right, essentially. Yeah, so it, it depends a little bit to answer your question, John. It kind of depends on what your... That's a very long answer yeah, to a yeah, simple it question. Yeah, that was going to be quite simple. For most people, <laughs> a accuracy is is makes a lot of sense, but um, and if that's the only thing that you care about and that's all you're looking for, um, then that's fine and you should probably optimize on accuracy. But log loss... Uh, generally works a little better in terms of betting and like bankroll and all that stuff it's just a better way to evaluate how your predictions or your probabilities compare to something like a betting line or a book or something like that so that's what we use um and so if you see on twitter there's a few people who track this i would say generally log loss is also kind of hard to interpret because it's specific it's domain specific so accuracy is like the same over everything for two outcomes but log loss can change depending on what the what the domain is um, I think somewhere, usually in hockey, the log loss values kind of range somewhere around like 0.67, um, anywhere from like 0.65 to 0.68. And uh, in a, a good season, I think last season, the log losses were in like the 0.66s, maybe? 0.65s. 0.65. It was like a really good year for yeah. predicting Yeah, so if, if you're making, you know, that's the other thing you get, you can get kind of lucky. I think in 17-18, we also got a little lucky because the game outcomes were fairly in line with what was expected and so the log loss values are a little lower so as a modeler you look a little better but then you know in in a season that's maybe i i i'm trying to remember if 18 19 or 19 20 was the one there was a season that was like pretty rough um so there's a lot of stuff that goes on but we, i could ramble about this forever uh so we use log loss yeah so not to not to get you going on that one and then, <laughs> <laughs> i think this is like along the same lines but if i was someone who had absolutely no domain knowledge on this and I look at today's only game in which 
uh, Dallas headed up to Ottawa to lose three two, yeah. <laughs> despite you favoring them at a fifty one to forty nine percent margin. So how do you think about that? How would you know? To me, it's fifty fifty. You either win or you lose. But if you say fifty one, you're saying that Dallas should have won. So like, how do you guys think about that? Um, yeah. So your, I'll, the outputs of the model, I guess, so if you will. One thing I think, and we haven't touched on this, but uh, generally, in it's, I think number one, it's important to to keep in mind who the home team is, because at least historically, the home team in the NHL wins somewhere around fifty five percent of the game. So if you, and that's kind of always, at least when we did this in seventeen eighteen with Manny's. Uh, 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 competition and also just in general as a baseline if you give every team every home team 55 percent of the ch- uh, of the time they would win the game um, you should try with a model to beat that so in this case for instance we had ottawa they were the home team with a 49 percent chance to win so in this case that actually what that's saying is that they're actually worse than a, what a standard or average home team is so that they are they're actually like below average as a team so as the home team if if a team gets 55 percent or somewhere around there i'm not quite sure if it's changed a little bit luke maybe you know a little bit yeah more. it's 54 55 yeah, percent is like generally is four to five percent advantage yeah. for so the home team if you look at these predictions and it's not just ours it's any nhl probability if if the home team has about a 55 percent chance to win the game that that could be kind of interpreted as a fairly even matchup in this case it was essentially a 51 we had dallas as a 51 percent favorite so they're actually a stronger team than ottawa um, and that's kind of uh, reflected by the kind of somewhere around six percent drop for Ottawa. But it's also, still a close I will, game I will interject that both teams were on a back-to-back. Yes, as well. So yeah, I was that, gonna say, I was yeah. gonna say, and how do you factor in back-to-backs and who's traveling? So right, we, because Ottawa, yeah. well, theoretically Ottawa was on the road, right? Because they're in Toronto last night. But if Ottawa was, was home. Do you factor in that if they played back-to-backs at home with a team coming in? Like, how does travel play in? Yeah, so I actually um, – I travel's kind of a funny thing to try to model. I don't actually – this year, I, I found that really back-to-backs are by far the is the best predictor. I tried to use – I've seen some three games in four days. So if it's like – the fourth day and they have played three if that is the third game that they've played in the prior four days i tried to model that as a predictor it wasn't in our model it wasn't very good um so i didn't include it um and i we had in the past kind of done a complicated like trying to sequence like oh well they played you know away and now they're moving to home or they play; they're at home and they're staying at home, yeah, like and trying the- to Im- include that as a variable, as a predictor of win outcomes. And in our model, it wasn't that good. I'm sure that there are ways that you could potentially modify that to make it a better predictor. But in my experience, um, and I don't want to say this for sure because I didn't, I didn't dig into it this year because um, it just back to backs were such a good predictor of. You know, so essentially, what we have is we have two variables that are predicting win per like we predict whether or not the home team is going to win. That is the, what the model predicts, um, and so we have two variables. One is was the home team is the home team on a back to back? It's either yes or no. And was the away team on a back to back? And it's either yes or no. And that doesn't really, it doesn't really, it doesn't care about are they traveling? Like did did they travel? Because as an away team. If you have a back-to-back, you're traveling. Um, so as a home team, if you have a back-to-back, generally you are also traveling. I know there are certain, maybe some weird instances where teams play two games in their home building in the same, um, like, back-to-back, but that doesn't <laughs> really happen that often. And and from, a, I mean, to get technical here, that if you include that as a separate variable, that could create a class imbalance because it's so... Um, it doesn't happen at all, and so that could kind of potentially skew your model. Not to uh, anyway, but um, essentially, it it is the model is interacting with the home teams and both home team and away team either having back to backs or not, and either every version of that. So in this case, and in in our case, the model a home team on a back to back is a much more um, it's a bigger impact on the game outcome than the away team having a back-to-back 
Um, I'd have to do some math here to actually interpret the coefficients, no, but no more. No I'm not math. going to do that. <laughs> but I will say that a home team on a back-to-back is more important, or is a better is is a more impactful predictor than the away team. But the away team back-to-back predictor is also very important, or is a very good predictor. It's just not as yeah. quite as impactful as the home team being on a back. So in in the instance of Ottawa and and Dallas, uh, the home team Ottawa was also on a back-to-back, so they're they're probably hurt a little bit also there, too, because even though Dallas is also on a back-to-back, I think the home team is probably impacting that a little bit more. But, um, yeah, so just a good rule of thumb is if you see probabilities and a team is it's 50-50, then generally the away team is the better team in that matchup, even though it's a coin flip. And if you see a, a matchup that's like 55% for the home team, that's a very even matchup. And then I would say for a good rule of thumb, um, usually you don't get um, – too often game probabilities, at least from what we've seen, uh, that get over like seventy-five percent. I think this year or eighty or eighty. I think this year there are some s- specific situations where, like you know, we've we talked about this already, but Colorado plays Buffalo um, in January, and that's a very specific situation where Colorado is an incredible. Well, if they're healthy, if they're healthy, yeah, obviously <laughs> they're missing Colorado like right now. They're missing Nachushkin, Landeskog, McKinnon. And Taves, I like how Taves. I like how Nachushkin's like the first one out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> like they have huge stars out and. and Chushkin's like the the one, but like they they lost to the Blues, right? Wasn't yeah. it the Blues last, yeah, last night? night? And they, I think we only had Colorado as a fifty six percent. I think, I think yeah, they were like favorite 50, with that favorite with that with team. That. I mean, so, they're like those are really yeah. Taves, McKinnon, Nachushkin, Landeskog are very very big impact players. Yeah, for the and, and so anyway, so. it just so you yes, probably, and that's the group. Yeah, that's, that's the, the group. group. That's the group. Yeah, where no, yes. but what I was going to say is is usually you're not going to see in the NHL game probabilities go above seventy five percent. There are some unique situations where like Colorado playing Buffalo, where it might hit 80%. I think that that game was like 82% or something. No, it was like 86 Oh, was it really? I that think high? So. so. It was like extremely high. Usually, but we'll have to see when, so when your that ranges, game... Your ranges are between 25 to 75 usually. There are some some outlier cases or some kind of edge cases. And for the most part, the home team is going to have a 5% um, advantage. And we actually... Uh, it was interesting because for the 2021 season when there were the bubbles and all that stuff and kind of there were no fans there was kind of this theory that fans were maybe the reason why teams were a little bit at least were getting that bump but we still kind of saw that similar home advantage i think in the outcomes it was that the home teams i'm, I'm well, pretty I, sure i need to go check that i, I think sure. i remember looking into it and seeing it i could be wrong so don't but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's something that's also obviously that players are more comfortable in their home building but it's and, also the long change you know, long change is also and then you know you know big first thing. change or not long, long change. It's long like change the is a long change for everybody. No, but they have well, but the, the, the first home and team third. gets the first and third. They have right. the short change for the first and third period, right? Well, so doesn't the other team. Well, no, they only get well, it for the one. Second though. period. The second period. Right. The benches are are always on the same side. No, I know, but like, it's <laughs> you switch. You, so you always play. <laughs> you start off with it being a short change. Both teams do, because the benches. Are, on, are going to be on the same side of the ice as your goalie to start, right? No, you could flip it off depending on the arena. It'll be on the left or the right of your TV screen, but both of them start off with a short change. Second period, the goalie switch <laughs> sides, so it makes Sean's it a long change. Long change, yeah. And then Sean's the third yeah. period, they go back, they or, switch sides again, and it's a short change. Should we cut? Should we leave this in? Or yeah. Should we embarrass ourselves? <laughs> Should we embarrass ourselves by that? For some reason, I thought there was something there, but But, I mean, it's probably it probably comes down to the fact that, like you said, that you're just more comfortable. You slept in your own bed the night before, likely. But but the the home team gets to match lines, though, right? That's that's a thing. Is that the thing? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm gonna catch myself, and yeah, just scratch all everything we said before. (laughs) Just scratch it all. And also, as a note, if if you're if you heard this on the podcast, it was because I either couldn't find this in the recording or I was too lazy to edit it out. Uh, but no, that's, we're gonna leave that's, that in. That's what I think. Luke no, and Sean I were is clearly about. Sean. You know, this is he's just that such a valuable asset to our team. You know, yeah. <laughs> he's such an important part of evolving <laughs> hockey. To to correct Luke and I when we're a little bit off off. To, but that's the other thing. So there are a few things that oh, go well, into home Sean, What was Sean? Sean what were you gonna say? I was gonna say it was hockey one on one. Like oh, maybe yeah. next episode we'll talk about face off matchups <laughs> and everything. Yeah, we'll teach no. you. Uh, well, we got to do a, a watch along. 
I think, I yeah. think that's something that we do need to do yeah. uh, as we're wrapping up here. Uh, um, that we anyway. do need to do going forward. Yeah, so to completely wrap up, the game predictions, uh, I will also say that it's been a little bit of a unique or new experience for Luke and I to do daily updating rosters um, for the game projections. So some people may have seen some... We, we have two things. Number one, because we're early in the season, I think our first day we had our rosters still included um, or like the, the team rolling rosters. And so every team was set at average was a zero. And that actually kind of shrunk everybody, you know, together. And we decided, like Luke said, to go to rosters. But the other thing is that for the it, first like five the, games, yeah. we're going to use the rosters only yeah. just until and then, teams build then up they'll start to they'll start to blend and regress up until 25 games in. But one of the things also was um, I think it's it's kind of tricky for us. We're having to get used to this. Better is obviously if you're better and you're listening to this, you know all about this and having to follow, you know, beat writers and all the people on Twitter and just see injury statuses and you know you're probably not getting your, um, you know, whatever until maybe in the later afternoon, like an hour or two before games start. But that's kind of new for us, so we're still trying to figure that out. But that really can impact things. Now it's not as much as you might think, but somebody like. Like, for instance, I think the first day we had set the Kraken lineup to be out without, like, McCann. And, well, they had the COVID protocol. Yeah, so it's like they were missing, like, five players, and we didn't really kind of understand. Like, I, it's just new. So it's been kind of fun and also a little stressful having to figure out how to do these rosters because there's a lot of players who even – who, in the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of players there, in the there are a lot NHL. Of players in Sean the NHL. shaking his head. Sean shaking yeah, his head. I know. It's, but, it's, it's kind of a new thing. So that is impactful when you do a roster model. Um, but yeah, so they, they, we should be get, I, I think it'll be a little bit more um, in line with maybe what expe- expectations would be for an output when we get into like 10 or 15 games when the, the model is including uh, team metrics a little bit more. Um, but yeah, uh, so it'll be fun to keep tracking uh, that. All right, any last words before we, we wrap up here? I think we covered quite a bit. Yeah, I was going to just say also just keep an eye out for um, we are planning to do our other projection systems. So I'm, I'm hopefully tonight, if not on Sunday, maybe it might take a little longer. But on, it is Sunday. I know. I'm saying tonight oh. is Sunday. We might get them out for Monday. But the fantasy projections, I am planning to do daily updating to kind of update for rest of season. So if that's something that you like on the site, keep an eye out for that in the next day or two. Um, when Also with our GAR projections, but also the GAR or goals above replacement and, and regulars adjust plus minus models. Um, if you're new to the site or new to following those models, we usually wait a week or two. Um, I think it's somewhere around two or three, two or three weeks, somewhere around the 10 game mark kind of depends uh, before we release those because I'm not, we're at the end of the podcast. I'm not going to ramble about this, but when you have really tiny sample sizes in these models, things can look really weird. And a lot, sometimes you just, the model doesn't work. So we're going to, we generally wait a little bit for that. So when those are updated, our player projections using the goals above replacement in season will also be updated as well. Um, And then I think sometime this week, we will hopefully be um, adding some features for the team projections themselves and also playoff probabilities to show rolling playoff probabilities and rolling projections and, and that kind of thing compared to what is going on in season. Yeah. And so, then Sean has, are you, do you want to announce that now or no? I mean, I, well, I would assume if people listen to this podcast, they might see it anyways, but yeah. yeah so we'll start doing a written sort of blog newsletter type thing to sort of complement the, the podcast in a way. Uh, I think yeah, looking at what I have sitting in the drafts and what we kind of covered, it, there's a lot of crossover there, but yeah, we want to kind of build out some of the the written content as well, and and uh, continue our our content journey as evolving hockey, and, <laughs> yeah. and work to build this out. You know, yeah, yeah absolutely. Sean, that will be Sean will be working on that. Um, we might interject largely. Yes. It'll yeah. be Sean. He's going to be yeah. your your content voyager. Yeah, or your captain. Your for captain content. for content voyage. <laughs> we'll see how good I I am at keeping it on on. Uh, mondays so next week i or this coming week i go to texas for the formula one race and so we will see if i get it out on monday but we are planning i think to uh to still record and hopefully i have enough time to to write but please forgive me if i'm doing texas things instead yeah yeah yeah, that all sounds great. We'll have uh, great. and and as I mentioned in the middle, I wouldn't you know blame you if you skip through us rambling, but we will be doing this uh, weekly. So expect the the podcast. We are hoping to stick to a schedule and have it out at probably midnight on Sunday. Um, you know, ready for Monday morning uh, commutes and Monday morning work and for everything. So we we are hoping to stick to that, and we should be pretty good. And Luke and I, 
we now have full access to all the games, which we've kind of had previously, but not as easily. ESPN Plus is pretty good. Not to give a hey full sponsor. Yeah, ESPN Plus. If sponsor, you want to, you know, if you want to sponsor the podcast. Yeah, but it was it was pretty simple, and it works pretty well other than the black, you know, getting blackouts, blackouts for local coverage. But anyway, uh, yeah. So we'll uh, as we get into the season, we'll uh, we'll be doing this uh, weekly. And as always, like and subscribe. Smash that. Give good ratings. Yeah. We like the good ratings. Smash ra- that like button. Smash that like button. I don't think those, like buttons are a thing on podcasts. I don't think I they think are. Smash that subscribe. Five star rating. Give button. us a five star rating. Five star rating. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. And uh, you know, take care, Sean. Yeah. We'll look forward to it next week. Yeah. yeah. Look, looking forward to it. Definitely. Definitely.